right? If you're just logging on, just give us a couple seconds to let everyone join and then we'll get started. All right, hello everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine and welcome to our monthly thought leadership series. Our topic today is keeping up with technology trends sponsored by ASF and Club OS. We have a really awesome panel. I'm gonna go ahead and ask each of them to introduce them, themselves, share a little bit about their facilities. And Mindy, let's start with you. Sure. Hi everyone, I'm Mindy Bridges. I am the Chief Brand and Marketing Officer for Vasa Fitness. Um, I lead marketing, fitness, club design and architecture, retail, club communications and member services here at Vasa. Um, and we are, we have, we're in six states currently, soon to be seven, and we have 48 clubs we're operating today. Awesome. All right, Mark, you go ahead. Uh, hello, I'm Mark Harrington, Jr. I'm the president of HealthWorks Group. Um, we operate clubs around the Boston, Massachusetts area uh, under five different brand names, ranging from premium women's only, high volume, low cost, uh, to manage clubs, about 25 total facilities. Uh, and before joining the fitness industry, I was an IT consultant. Uh, so technology is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Mark. John, go ahead. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, hi, it's John Brady. I'm the president of Midtown Athletic Clubs. We're based out of Chicago, but have clubs up and down the uh, predominantly the East Coast and into Canada. Uh, we operate um, premium and luxury um, full-service clubs. And um, you know, prior to this, I was not an IT consultant, but I am very excited about <laughs> IT and, uh, and, and definitely have a perspective on it uh, from a member experience. Awesome. Thanks, John. All right, last but not least, Mike. Oh, thanks. Um, Mike Rucker, I'm the Chief Digital Officer of Active Wellness. We're a fitness management company currently in 13 states with uh, about 50 locations. Um, and yeah, that's the short end. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. So yeah, as I said, the main topic of discussion today is technology, um, keeping up with trends. So I want to hear from each of you, um, your thoughts on the, you know, most important pressing trends in technology right now for gyms, and then also maybe for consumers as well. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and start with you, Mindy. What's kind of top of mind for you right now as an operator when you're thinking about technology? There's a few things we're thinking about. Obviously, wearables are still a big part of the market. We, we use MyZone technology in our gyms um, and that, I, you know, people, people like it. I think there's also, we're reading a lot about readiness scores, things like the aura ring, measuring sleep, stress, training, and you wake up and it, it generates a score that tells you if you should adjust your activities for that day. <laughs> um, I think. We all have them, that's funny. <laughs> right? Nice. I, don't I, I need yet, to get but, one. Yeah, I don't have one either. I don't know if I want it telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think gamification is another big one that we we're piloting a loyalty program called burn and earn um, in five of our clubs right now. And people can win prizes. It's a different monthly prize for going to a studio red class eight times a month. And it's all sort of app based in a digital sort of vending machine that's in the club. So it's all based on technology and we're piloting that now. So it's only been about three months. We don't have a ton of data, but I think gamification is always fun for everybody and winning prizes. Everybody likes free things. Yeah, for sure. I oh, yeah, very cool. Um, what about you, uh, Mark? Excellent. Um, 
I think it plays into a lot of different areas, but where we're spending the most amount of time is a hybrid fitness experience um, where we see the future, just like the office is some days you're going to be working out at, working at home. Some days you're going to be working at the office. We see fitness as the same. Uh, so we're looking to how do we meet our members seven days a week where they can come into our clubs a few days a week, get the best in-person experience. And then a few days a week when they're at home, we want them to stay engaging with our brand and staying fit in a safe, fun, exciting way. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'll let John and um, Mike weigh in as well, but I think maybe, maybe we'll start the conversation just talking about how consumers are using technology and then what that looks like incorporated into your club. Um, Cause yeah, um, I mean, all of you guys are obviously fitness consumers too, and you have an aura ring. Um, I'm sure some of you use mobile apps um, or Apple watches. So I think that'll be a good segue into the next topic, but John, go ahead and let me know your thoughts on um, top of mind trends. Yeah, what we're seeing a, a lot of now and what our focus is really on is marketing automation. Uh, so utilizing uh, AI technology um, and um, building out, we, we, we're in the midst of a whole ERP uh, rebuild, um, tech stack rebuild. So uh, we deployed Workday as an HRIS system and a financial software system last year. Um, we are, have just launched HubSpot as a CRM um, marketing automation and um, sales management um, solution uh, literally on, on Monday this week. So we're in the midst of uh, working through some bugs on that. And then we, um, we have also deployed a new uh, point of sale software, um, upgraded our hotel software and um, our food and beverage software as well. So uh, it's really trying to simplify some of those um, solutions, make sure there's um, two-way API integration into those so that we can uh, identify and use the data to correctly um, sp and specifically target um, prospects and members and meet them where they're at. And I think that that is a, a key part of um, the technology trend that we're seeing and have been seeing for you know a number of years in, in different consumer-led industries. But I think we're just getting to that point now where we can you know, send targeted communication when somebody buys a smoothie. You know, and yeah. we know that we know that people who buy smoothies are more inclined to buy, you know, I don't know, tennis rackets. And so we can send them a thing, you know, great for buying this smoothie. And and by the way, if you need your tennis racket strung, uh, we've got a special on the pro shop on Wilson Strings or whatever it might be. So, but joining the dots and connecting that that spider's web of data and information to make it personalized and targeted at each individual at the individual level is what we're, uh, we're pushing our technology platforms okay. to be able to do. Yeah, and so you're saying, and HubSpot's helping you do that? Well, yeah, four day, three days in, uh, not so much yet, but that's the, <laughs> that's the plan and uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the aim and name of the game is to be able okay. to do that and, and tie it into our other systems as well. Our, uh, our point of sale systems have historically been tied in with uh, our member management systems. But, you know, our, we, do, we, have, we have restaurants that do you know, four or five million dollars in revenue a year. So our restaurants are proper restaurants. They're not, you know, a smoothie bar. And so yeah. we get a lot of data from that, but we don't really then know how to utilize it. And we don't have people who are sitting there crunching numbers saying, well, if someone buys a chicken burger, are they more likely to buy, you know, uh, a smoothie or are they more likely to do a personal training session after because they feel guilty because um, they support a chicken burger. And we, we don't have the, data, the, the people to do it. So now we've, 
developed a system or developing a system and utilizing a system that is able to join those dots and applies um, artificial intelligence over it to start identifying those trends and identifying what triggers um, relate to purchases and, and longevity of membership as well, usage. Yeah, we, we, we use HubSpot as well, John. We, I was part of the build out for that. We've been using it a little over two years and it's, it, it does all the things that you just said. And so I think you'll, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. So reach out if you have any, any questions. Thank or, you. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Awesome. Mike, what's top of mind for you right now in terms of technology? So I think in addition to what has already been covered, it's really how technology is going to make exercise more fun and a little bit easier. So um, we're in various clubs, we're testing, you know, the newest techno gym equipment as well as the newest e-gym equipment. And so how do you, you know, create an experience that's a little bit more inviting and is able to onboard a new member without necessarily human interaction? Um, and then also how can we make exercise a little bit more bite-sized as we get into this hybrid model where, you know, folks like Peloton and, and Tonal and Mir, um, one of the things that's come out from their ability to collect an immense amount of data is that folks might want to just work out 20 minutes, right? And so because of staffing needs, um, you know, we've always assumed that exercise has to be in 30 minute or 60 minute intervals. And we now know that might be one of the barriers uh, of entry for folks, you know, that other 80% that we keep trying to get. So how can we use technology to create an environment that's more inviting? And we're testing that currently. Um, and then I think um, one of the things that we haven't covered are the ability to do um, assessments. You know, for a long time, DNA companies have been trying to sell us kits so that people could get that type of information. And at least in my experience, you know, even though they're kind of novel, they haven't really provided the type of value to our members that were worth the expense. But they're companies that are doing blood draws, urinalysis, where we can show, hey, exercise has actually been able to move these particular markers, you know, finally creating these habit loops that like if you do X, Y is going to happen, diabetes being one of the biggest ones. Um, and so those are the things that really excite me with regards to innovation and technology. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, lots of uh, great stuff to talk about. Um, let's start with just talking a little bit, like I mentioned, about the consumer and how they're using technology. Um, I think we're seeing um, consumers just really embrace technology when it comes to fitness. Um, they're bringing phones into the club, um, looking at videos. Um, they're doing things on demand. They're using um, Apple Watches. Um, what does this tell us about the consumer? And then what do we as club operators maybe need to do? Um, I mean, do you guys view that as competition or is that just a compliment to the fitness experience? Um, I, I'll start, um, Rachel. I think it's a compliment. I don't think it's competition. I think people are, you know, human beings are social animals. And, and I think the return to gyms we've seen since the shutdown has proven that. Um, and I think people are, are much more aware of the need to, and as, as Mike said, much more aware of the need to actually just move rather than, you know, the, the whole, um, you know, and I'm not sure if this was a big deal in the, U, in the US. It was a really big deal. Um, I remember the UK and Europe about 10, 15 years ago where the governments would come out and say, you have to do 60 minutes of exercise three times a week to be beneficial and everyone needs to be healthy. And that's the market. And that's just unattainable for a lot of people. And so it put everybody off that, well, if I have to do three times a week for 60 minutes, like I can't do that. I, I haven't got the time or the inclination or the discipline, quite frankly. And so if we can chunk it, if we can start saying to people, look, if you're not doing anything at the moment, 
but you can come in for 20 minutes a week and move. That's better than what you were doing last week. You know, it's a start point. And we all know that creating those habits is the most important aspect of getting started. And the hardest part is the first step. If you can get people in the door and doing something, it's, it's got to be way better for them health-wise in the long run. And it's a start to, the, to that journey of, of that lifestyle of, um, of health and fitness that we all, you know, we all adhere to and we all believe in passionately and we know it makes a big difference to people um, and to communities. And so I, I think that message has perhaps been stuck for maybe a generation um, and yeah. we have to try and break that. So I think it, it, anything that is helping people move better and I think it's, it's a compliment and, you know, um, Apple Watch, um, you know, I, I, my, I, I'm not sure how my zone is going to compete with Apple Watch or with um, Amazon's Halo product when that comes out. I, you know, that'll be interesting to see how they adapt. And they've been pretty good over the last sort of um, seven or eight years. But it'll be interesting as that picks up what happens there, because we see more and more people with their Apple Watches and wanting those to connect with the, um, the screens on the um, cardio equipment in particular. And, um, and so it, it's a it's a challenge. Yeah, Apple's a tough competitor to take on, you know, mm, yeah. for operable. So, but I think anything that helps people move better is complementary to us as an industry. Yeah. So in your mind, some of these fitness technologies are kind of like a gateway to a healthier lifestyle. I think so. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Think, Mindy uh, or Mark, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I'd say I agree with everything that John said. And in addition to that, we find a lot of members are, are aren't sure what the next step is if they take the big exciting step to join a gym. Um, we try to get them into group fitness, we try to get them into personal training, et cetera. But then we know there's 40% of our members are just going to the gym floor by themselves. Um, so however we can help them actually stick to a plan that, that works for their goals are, whether that be through our own technology or whatever technology they bring on the phone, that's a win-win. Uh, it's gonna get the member results faster and they're going to be happy because they're doing it at our club. So I think there's a lot of potential in, in kind of bite-sizing, like John said, but also in providing people with a plan and a pathway to achieve the results they want to get to. Yeah. And I think for our traditional offering, right, going back to the basic, it just really isn't a replacement. So um, you know, we've done a couple of pilot studies over the years to see um, whether or not they are a, a true threat. And like at the end of the day, you're, you know, with the exception of maybe tonal, you're not pushing weight, right? So you need that because the set of dumbbells isn't the same as, you know, all the equipment you would have at the gym floor. And the experience of a live instructor, especially for high touch folks like John has in Chicago, like, you know, the soul cycle, you know, watching, um, you know, someone on, on a tablet, it, it, it's just not the same, you, you know, so you might lose one or 2% of people that are like, this is good enough, but um, time and time again, it's proven that they're, it's not, it's not a competitive product. So with that in mind, then you can use it as a tool, right? So if, if there is a way, and um, I think we're all trying to figure out what that is to use it as a way to extend this experience that we have outside of the four walls so that if someone does fall off for three weeks, like how can we make it so that an experience from one of these devices counts, you know, in these algorithms that we use that counts as a visit to the club, you know, so that's a reminder that, hey, you are a healthy person and you do identify with this lifestyle and we want you back. 
I think that's where we're going to find the secret sauce, right? Because it's when someone breaks a habit, it's really easy to go, why am I, why do I have this subscription and spend money each week? But if you can meet them where they are and try and get them back and remind them why they're doing it in the first place, I think that's where um, we're going to see a lot of value in these tools over the next few years. Yeah, for sure. Good point. Mindy, anything you'd like to add? Um, yeah, I just wanted to share that, you know, I, I, I can't remember who, who said sort of, it, it'll be hard to compete with, you know, Apple watch and, and I hundred percent agree with that. I love my Apple watch. Um, I'd say for Vasa, since we're a high value, low price, um, facility and we start at nine 99, we, we run our studio red hit classes off of my zone technology. So that's sort of how all of the workouts are programmed and how they show on the screen. And we sell my, the MyZone, the new switch that you can use on your wrist or your arm, or you can do the belt around your, um, kind of around your torso. Uh, you know, we sell it for $90 and a lot of our members don't have Apple watches, to be honest. Like I walk around our clubs and, and, you know, it's probably, it may not be, they don't have the level of discretionary income as, as maybe some others. And so what we love about MyZone is that it get, you can use it inside and outside the gym, but in our classes, it, it helps people feel successful. I watch it every day. You go to a class and they see their tile on the screen and they see how hard they're working. They might push somebody next to them, like, all right, or I'll race you on this hard minute or whatever it is. And so I think, and then it has, it has chat in the app. So, you know, it, it doesn't compare to Apple watch, but I, I think, I think it's a way to get people to come get excited, see their progress over time, and then do a little, you know, have a little healthy competition with others in their class and sort of build their community that way. So a little plug for my zone, but it works well for, for our demographic. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk more about technologies that help clubs, um, you know, operate their facilities or understand their members, um, analyze data. Um, can each of you maybe share um, some examples of technologies that you're investing in um, that you found really beneficial? John, I know you mentioned HubSpot. Are there any others? Yeah, well, we, um, I would say we deployed Workday, which is a, an ERP solution for um, HRIS, for payroll, um, performance management of staff. Uh, and it, it's been a phenomenal, um, you know, it's, it's not an inexpensive product, but it's replaced about 30 different systems we had across the company. So we've wow. simplified a lot of systems, saved a lot of the, a lot of the um, issues we were having was with uh, the API connections or the connections between the two different systems, which we've eliminated because we've, we're doing it all in one system. And you know, we've, we've been doing it for about a year. We've been using it a year or so. And we've seen those, those costs and the support staff to support those systems reduce significantly. So whereas now it's actually more cost effective, even though this platform itself was more expensive to deploy okay. uh, in, the, in the first place, we're now getting the benefit of that uh, and expect to see that on a rolling basis. And um, you know, from a financial metrics perspective, it has a very strong FP&A component, so financial planning and analysis component, where it's able to pull data from multiple sources in our financial software and provide live real up-to-date reports for all of us um, in pretty much any way we want to build them. So it's highly configurable and, um, and, and you know, we've been delighted with what it's able to do for us. Nice. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that one, so that's good to know. And I'll just piggyback off. We've done the same, but with um, a, a new product that ADP uh, has 
put out. Um, and uh, we are certainly reaping the benefits. I mean, it's a large undertaking um, to uproot an, R an HRIS, um, but our ability to scale and operationalize our business practices across the entire organization, especially since we cater to so many different club types, um, it was well worth the investment. Okay. We're, we're doing other? the same. We're in the middle of onboarding ADP as well. So we should be done by the end of March. Um, and we're using it for several different sort of several different of its, of its modules um, we're using, but, you know, including payroll, sort of personnel files, tracking, um, recruiting, onboarding. So we're, we're pretty excited about it as well. Yeah, very cool. Mike, any other technologies that are, have been super beneficial to active? Uh, I touched on it a little bit already, but we're um, really having a lot of fun with uh, smart equipment. So we're creating a new model called Activate as we get more into, um, you know, medically relevated, uh, excuse me, medically relevant fitness and trying to, um, you know, create uh, fitness interventions that um, help, uh, you know, with various conditions. And so, uh yeah, I don't want to, I want to be brand agnostic, but the partners that we're working with being able to, um, you know, create an ecosystem where the equipment is feeding a data repository and that the app is also prescribing fitness all based on the interaction of the member within the club environment is something that, um, you know, we've only been able to really accomplish the last couple of years because technology is finally caught up with what we want to do. Um, and we're super excited about that you know, because we always talk about the member journey, right? But ultimately, because we have analog equipment in our club, and I'm talking about us specifically, but I think that applies for a lot of operators, we really had to orchestrate that pen and paper, right? Or, you know, create it, you know, in some sort of environment where it was really conceptual. And now we're able to really control that. So it's not so, um, you know, blue ocean per se, but like, hey, if member does X, what do we want them to do next in a very deliberate um, way? And also, I think more importantly, we're able to show outcomes as well. So we partnered with Weld, um, Chris Crater's company, um, so that as we're collecting all of that data, we can also put it into what they call an electronic wellness record, which is sort of this hybrid um, repository of um, fitness outcome data that we can then potentially, you know, marry with EMRs when physicians start to see the efficacy of the programs that we deliver. Okay. So it's a connected fitness equipment. Um, so would a member, you know, go to use a piece of cardio equipment and they'd actually like log into a profile and That's then correct. you'd have, yeah. And then you'd have data on exactly how long they worked out, what program they ran. That's right. Yep. Okay. Very, very good. Um, what about you, Mindy? Um, any other examples of technologies that are super beneficial? That are super what? Sorry. Uh, sorry, uh, have been super beneficial to Vasa. I mean, our, our mobile app has been super beneficial to Vasa. We built it in 2019 and we built it to book. To, I mean, one of the things that you could do was book classes. And we repurposed it during COVID to book gym time so that we could manage capacities. And um, that, was, that was a huge win for us. Um, you know, during the pandemic, and I know we're still in it, but we don't have to book gym time anymore. Thank goodness. Um, but you know, I think, I think for me, when I think about our app, I think, I think it's customized. I mean, it's all proprietary to us, but I think the things, the thing that's always on my mind is how well is our brand translating through that piece of technology or any piece of technology for that matter. 
Um, so we're always looking at ways to improve and, and, you know, build our app to create the best member experience we can. I mean, it's not going, going to ever be the same as when you walk into a club, but I look at it holistically. Like when you experience our brand on social media, if you see a billboard, you see a TV commercial, you go on the app on the website and you walk into the club, it should feel, you know, like it represents VASA. Yeah, for sure. Mark, what about you? Um, excellent. I think the quickest, simplest thing we've done is we've moved all of our member requests online. Uh, so if we've always joined online, but if a member wants to freeze, cancel, change their membership type, uh, get a refund, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, those are all online requests now. Uh, and what we've found is it's substantially increased our member experience because we never lose a single request that comes in. Um, and it's just super easy for them to do on their phone at home or at the club, wherever they are. Um, and then we find it makes our staff happier too, because we have someone who loves data entry, taking care of those member requests, getting them done quickly and accurately and right on time. And the people that love to greet and talk to members can greet and talk to members and don't have to worry about details of a member request. Yeah. Mark, I have the same a quick thing. question. Oh, sorry. Okay, yep. sorry. Because um, I'm just, you know, I think that's the right play. And a lot, you know, just from the UX standpoint, um, it's what we're doing as well. But I, I hope one operator takes the time to look at longitudinal data and, um, and make the argument that that also increased the amount of Boomerang members. Because I think, I think that's just true. But, you know, we're all data folks here. So, you know, we need proof, right? And uh, I don't think that that's been a mechanism that's been in place long enough to know that, but I have a feeling that hands down, you know, um, it's going to, that type of initiative would pay for itself. Um, yeah. That's a boomerang we, member. Someone that comes back, you, you know, okay. if, you, if, if you make it so that they don't, the experience is, um, uh, you know, nice leaving, they don't, they don't have any ill will when they leave, right? Okay. But it was clear that, um, that a lot of folks did, you know, in the old way that we used to do it, where they had to come in and give us the reason that they just wanted to stop doing this. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, like Michael, Mark, do you go, oh, sorry, Mindy, do you, um, do you guys have this as a self-service option on your app or Mindy, do you guys use it as a self-service? We option? do. Yeah. We built that into yeah. our app in August of 2019. You can upgrade, downgrade or cancel on the app. And it's, we make it really easy. And I just wanted to share a stat um, that our when we look at our online reviews, 75% of our three and below stars before we launched the app, were 75% uh, of them were cancellation process. Um, and then once we made it easy for people and it wasn't digging around all over our website, having to call three people, getting passed around, and we made it super easy, we're down to about 25% being cancellation policy. But when we dig into the comments or the commentary, it's all that they don't want to pay the fee. It's not about it being hard. And so we feel, we feel good about that in, in the spirit of transparency. And when we look at our former member campaigns in getting members back that we had pre-pandemic, our, our numbers are off the charts. They're better than they've ever been. So um, I, I agree with, with yeah. um, you know, John saying that, saying that you know, when we make it easy for people, they don't have an, a bad taste in their mouth about the company and they may come back when it's the right time. We, we find it's helping with new joints too. 
um, there were some bad actors in the industry that, that, that didn't do things appropriately during COVID. And people are, some people are reluctant to rejoin a club. And yeah. when we can say, oh, don't worry, this is how you cancel your membership. Here's the webpage. You can go to it anytime. Here's all our policies right out black and white. Don't worry right. about it. And kind of at the same time, we also simplified our policies. So we, we build bi-weekly and we only build once more after they cancel. Uh, so it's online and it's super quick too. Within two weeks, you're basically done with your membership. And I do think that helps, especially at our HVLB clubs. We're seeing a lot of members that are joining and rejoining and rejoining. So they might be a member two or three times in a year, um, which is an interesting phenomenon. And kind of with the annual fees in there, we end up doing okay, actually, because we're, we're getting maybe two annual fees in a year when normally we only get one. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what technology um, should be doing, right? Is um, reducing friction points, whether that's for the consumer or the club. Um, yeah, any other thoughts on this topic before we go on to the next one? All right. So, you know, there's a lot of technologies out there. You guys have mentioned a lot of stuff. Um, if I'm an operator and I'm not sure what to invest in, like, how do I go about deciding, like, what's actually beneficial for my club? Can you guys kind of walk through some of your thought processes and how you decide what technologies to actually, you know, pull the trigger on? And John, let's start with you. Um, yeah, so we, um, what we started to do is look at all of our, we had a lot of legacy uh, I mean, as a company, we've been around for over 50 years. And so we had a lot of legacy systems and a lot of older systems that were in place that we needed to upgrade. Um, and we started with our people, uh, yeah, our biggest expenses, our payroll. It's payroll expenses are number one cost for us. So we started with our payroll system and H, the HRIS system uh, to make sure that was, you know, was, was where we was, was able to do what we needed it to do. Um, and that was Workday and that rolled into our financial software um, as well. Um, we were about to deploy uh, our member management software, uh, a new member management software system, which shall remain agnostic at the moment. Um, and uh, we were about to do that in um, uh, October, September, October last year, or this, this year, just, just passed, start that process, which is like a six or seven month um, initiative. But once we started looking, there was a couple of delays, a couple of hiccups and delays with it. Um, we started looking at replacing our marketing automation system, uh, which we, um, which is where the emails go out to new members and returning members. And, you know, it was a okay system. It, it, it worked, but it didn't do all of the, the machine learning. There was no machine learning involved in it. It was all set and, and forget, but it was literally static there was no dynamic uh, approach to the member experience or the individualized member journey um, and we started looking at that because we wanted to replace that and get a little better at that that was what built us into hubspot and to replace that that component was our initial plan and then we started looking at saying well our sales management software that we're using our lead pipeline system it plays on its own separately would have to be connected why don't we just do the same thing together and then it was the CRM was like, okay, well, that's all connected too. And that has to be, why don't we just do the whole thing? And literally we looked at each other, you know, at one point in a meeting and just went, oh, hell with it, let's go. And we're all in, we're 100%. Um, and uh, we're going to drink the HubSpot Kool-Aid. And so it was, I, you know, in hindsight, do I wish we'd done that first? 
yeah, I think it would have had a bigger uh, impact on the bottom line, uh, the membership numbers. It's really, yeah, we're seeing it already uh, in terms of, and we're three days in. You know, yesterday we had a, um, we sent an email out to uh, prospects that have been in our system that have perhaps haven't connected with us for over a hundred days. We have a, a different, we have different buckets of, of, of prospects and we were able to reheat. You know, I think we sent out 30,000 emails yesterday um, wow. to different, you know, to, to prospects who have been uh, in our system in the past. We had like 500 or 600, what they call reheated leads within HubSpot um, who either clicked on a link in the email or went from the email direct to our website uh, to check out some aspect of it. And we were then able to follow up directly in the system by, if you looked at a Group X page, we were then able to send you information on whatever Group X page you looked at, whether it was yoga, whether it was um, you know, cycling or um, hit classes or whatever it was. The system knew and sent the appropriate follow-up email automatically. So it was dynamic. And then that drove all of those leads back into the into the clubs and our, our sales teams because we weren't really sure what to expect, the, the, the membership representatives in the club were like overwhelmed with you know, <laughs> the number of phone calls and emails and tasks and leads. And it was one of those days where everyone went, oh shit, what have we done? You know, um, <laughs> in a good way, but it was like, oh hell. So, um, so I would, you know, if I'd known what I know today, you know, last <laughs> a year ago, maybe we would have started with that, but um, I'm pleased we've, I'm pleased we've dove, tailed or flip that member management yeah. solution um, to drive membership because as as I don't know how everybody's doing on the call everyone's obviously doing differently in terms of the recovery but you know driving membership sales our business is built on recurring dues and recurring revenue and um, that's that's number one two and three um, to for our recovery is, is to get that back yeah yeah I'm really glad you shared that story John um, because I mean, once you've implemented some of these technologies, it's extremely difficult to change, right? Yeah. Um, and I think people kind of do get caught in this trap of like, oh, I've spent X amount of time um, researching this technology, talking to my staff about it, maybe even experimenting. And then you almost feel like guilty <laughs> to say, you know what, we're not doing this anymore. I don't know if anyone has anything more to add on the panel about that particular aspect of it. I mean, I, I think one of the things, I, I think your question was centered around, you know, how do you decide on what to invest in? And I think for us, the biggest question and the best question we can ask is, and I think really for, for any of any of any club operator or any business, does it make sense for the consumer that's walking in your doors? And I think it's easy to get caught up in really cool technology and you know, but, but making sure that you're thinking about your customer and what really matters to them. And perhaps that's getting member feedback, you know, walking the clubs, getting field feedback on kind of what's happening in your clubs and what are the problems to solve. And so we, we are continually doing that. Are we doing it perfectly? No, but I think that's something I, I, I consistently try to ask sort of the leadership team and then the teams that are bringing ideas to the table, you know, cause it's, as everyone knows on the call, it's easy for to get a cold call or hear that someone's using something and think, well, that sounds really cool. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I think every sales demo you go to, at least for me, I love software and it seems awesome. I'm like, oh, that would be great. <laughs> uh, but kind of harking back to my consulting days, we really have to identify what the problem is or what the goal is. 
and then find a technology solution to support that. Uh, so we, we need to start with the business needs. So we're trying to get more members. We're trying to improve the member experience. We're trying to improve the staff experience um, and then find what is the best solution to accomplish that goal. Uh, so start with the problem first and then find the tech. Don't start with the tech first and then identify the problems. Yeah, that's a great I point. I just surmise because I think everything that anyone, you know, everyone has said is exactly what we do, you know, Ultimately, we start with a problem. We take very few pitches because you can be sold on a problem that you don't have, right? So you start with a problem, then do your research on the software. So you're, you already have a problem in mind that you're trying to solve. And then I have three basic filters that you know make it really easy for me to at least have a macro gauge of whether it's not going to work. And that is, how does it save us money? How does it make us money? Or how does it improve the member or employee experience? And so like just kind of having that as a top level line, you know, then we can get more qualitative, but you know, that really gives you a hard sort of um, KPI to be like, okay, so this is the type of impact it's going to have on our company. We tend to start small and build, you know, because we, we we're entrepreneurial by nature, but we have done a couple enterprise deployments um, and we had a really big miss with an ERP because we didn't do training. So I guess my last point there would be, um, if you're going to do what John has attempted, because that is Herculean, is to make sure you do the training. Because when we were like, okay, this is a big deal, and we we had to get off check free, so our backs were kind of, um, you know, it wasn't in the best environment. But we really did um, trip up on training everyone up, and um, and and we failed on that particular initiative. But then with ADP, we've painstakingly made sure that. You know, we got sand, a sandbox environment super early. We got all the stakeholders, you know, uh, engaged and bought in to why we were doing this. Um, and it's run so much more smoothly and um, people are super excited about it. So um, it's just kind of surmising the three smarter people on this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great point, Mike, because, yeah, you can't just like, you know, invest in a technology, set it and forget it. You really do have to make sure that um, your staff and employees and members like, understand the why behind it. Um, and yeah, train them to make sure they're successful. It's a great point. I might reach out to you, Mike, on ADP. Okay. And you're trained. Well, so specifically the training, right? Because if you don't get your team members enrolled in using a piece of technology or promoting it, um, I think, you know, it's really hard to get it if you don't have the people that you want to use it on board, it's really hard to, to make it, you know, um, make it, make it successful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, we've talked a little bit of actually a lot of bit about um, member data. Um, you know, obviously clubs have more data at their disposal. Um, that's also more data that they in turn have to protect. So let's talk a little bit about data security. And I know Mark, this is something that you're passionate about if you want to kick us off. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, with all the challenges we have in our life, uh, IT security has to be near the top of the list. Uh, members trust us with an incredible amount of personal data, and it's critical to our brand and our customers to keep it safe. Um, so I think as we're looking at new technologies and interfaces, um, kind of access control and how the data protected needs to be first and foremost. Uh, so kind of when you've talked to a software company, they've solved the problem. The next question is security and um, also important, are they willing to put it in the contract? Uh, a lot of them say they'll do it. Uh, 
And you say, I want to see it in writing as part of the part of the contract that you're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is an important topic that a lot of operators need to think about, right? I mean, we're seeing more hacks. Um, I think this was the worst year ever um, for hacking um, and data breaches. I think it's only projected to get worse. Um, is this top of mind for hours? Kronos has a ransomware. Uh, they, we were on them for uh, um, timekeeping uh, just a while back, and luckily we're not. But anyone using Kronos for uh, you know, for check-ins, for employee check-ins, their system is completely down due to ransomware. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, is this top of mind for anyone else, data security? Absolutely, it is It is for us. I can't tell you all the ways that our IT, um, head of IT is doing it, but the way we talk about it is just that brand loyalty is based on trust. And if you can't keep people's personal information safe and secure, then um, they they don't trust you, and as they shouldn't. <laughs> so yeah. I think I think that we just try to keep that top of mind in, in the decisions that we make around around security. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, say of an operator that really doesn't know anything about data security, what advice would you give to them about like what are the things that they need to do to start working towards protecting their member data? Um, John, any insight? Well, I think Mark's probably the expert on this, but it sounds a bit, I mean, from, from our perspective, we make sure we're PCI compliant. Uh, we make sure we've, we've, you know, up to date, all of our systems are patched appropriately. Um, yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole rigmarole you've got to go through in order to make sure that, um, that you're secure, your systems are secure. Um, and yeah, we've been through it a little bit with Workday um, in, in the last year, just because as Mark said, make sure it's in the contract, it was, make sure there's insurance in the contract. So they're covering uh, so, you know, enough, they have enough coverage, should there be a data breach, because, you know, him forbid there is one and you don't have enough insurance coverage. So making sure that they put that in there. And most companies, in my experience, will lowball that. Um, and you have to push back. And you have to go back and say, no, that's not, that's not enough coverage because we have X number of uh, um, member, X number of members with X number of credit cards, X number of details in here. Um, so should we be, should we have a, bre a breach? Should we be sued? Um, we need to know that there's a mutual alignment here and that we are both covered with you know, our insurance and their insurance. So let's say look at that pretty closely as well. Yeah. I think um, to answer your question, Rachel, too, like if, for folks that don't really know how to get started, two easy ways, and this is sort of piggybacking off Mark on the first one, is just Google security risk assessment. And so it's, you know, it's not just asking the right questions. There are some good documents online where, you know, come up with your own and, you know, talk to folks like Mark, and you know, so that it's refined, for, but have a solid one for your organization that you're going through and documenting each piece of technology that you bring into your ecosystem so that you're confident that they're doing what they say and get that in writing. Um, and then get a third party to audit you each year. That's part of good hygiene anyways. You know, get somebody that's not necessarily in the business of selling you services that, you know, is meant to be, that that is their primary job to do that role. And you'll get a good assessment of, um, you know, where your holes are. And then you'll basically have a punch list of things that you need to do to you know, to better your organization. And both of those, well, one, the security risk assessment's free, right? It's just your own due diligence. The other one's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks. And if you get somebody good, you'll, you'll know where all your, um, your weak points are. 
Awesome. Yeah. Mark, anything else? Yeah, I, I'd say kind of the, the big things you need to take care of is kind of credit card numbers and social security numbers. Uh, so if you're starting, I would I would start with those two and just kind of look at your organization, your tech stack, and just figure out where am I entering and storing those? And one, do I need to be? And then two, is the system which I am securing in them, is it designed for those? Um, so all of our member management systems are PCI compliance is what you heard John say. And all of them are supposed to also help make sure you are PCI compliant. Um, so if you're being simple, only put credit cards in there and then reach out to your member management system and ask for help on where to get started. And they'll, they'll get you started. Um, on the social security side, um, never, connect, never collect them for members. Uh, you're gonna have to collect them for staff, but make sure they're stored in an HRS system that supports it. And same thing, reach out to that HRS system and they're gonna help you make sure you're storing them in there appropriately and then kind of grow from there. But I think the least amount of data possible is the best way to do it. Yeah. I think we're awesome. missing one big one that's probably the biggest leak in the bucket and that is to make sure that you're at least doing annual training of social engineering attacks because if you have members that are writing credit card numbers down you know on a post-it while they're you know taking a spa order on the phone um you know, that's that's a data leak right and um and then if they get fished and somehow you know some criminal gets their password you know because you know through a spear phishing attack then no matter what kind of defenses you have, you're going to have a real problem, right? So, um, you know, by training folks up, that's been our biggest prophylactic against these types of attacks is that our employees really know what to do with regards to data hygiene. So I think mm -hmm. um, that's as important as the other stuff or, you know. That Mike, that's a, Mike, that's a really good point. And the other one of that is, is, is not opening emails that you're not sure where they're from like phishing emails and some of them are getting really smart and really good in terms of the uh, how they're addressing them and what the subject lines are but you know teaching people to look at the email address itself and look and see if that makes sense because if it's if it's coming from you know if it's a it's a hacker trying to get into your system you know you're going to look at that email address and go well that's weird that doesn't you know it looks like it's coming from mike at active you know then it'll be you know, some sort of random assortment of numbers and letters. And you're like, well, that can't be, that can't be Mike. I can, I can delete. Well, and it's that time of year, right? I think I'm already up to a dozen. Like, does Bill really want me to get 50 Amazon cards? Want you AGM to buy 50 Amazon cards for him. <laughs> We just had that last week. <laughs> yeah. So teaching uh, people, teaching people not to click on those and not to open those and look at those is really important as well. It's part of the education process, you know, and we spend quite a bit of time on that and, you know, almost on a, you know, bi biannual basis, just going, right, guys, this is what's going to happen. We know this is going to start, you know, don't open these, you know, if you're not sure, pick up the phone, you know, ask someone, call the help desk, you know, just, just double check it before you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a incident last week where I like clicked on something that, and then I thought it was a phishing email. It turns out it wasn't, but just the sheer panic. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh no. Hope I didn't just Got get scammed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. All great advice. Um, well, we do have a few questions from the audience. So I'm going to spend the last few minutes kind of working on those um, before closing comments. 
Um, Brian uh, is wondering, is anyone integrating or consolidating member data to create a super user profile for their membership? And if so, how are you using this profile to retain less than super users or recruit more super users? Would anyone like to weigh in on that one? Um, I'm, I'm happy to jump in on that. Um, yeah, we, we, we built our own CRM platform about five or six years ago, which we're now obviously you know, transitioning to HubSpot with that um, product. But it was exactly that. It was, let's collect every bit of data around every member and, um, and, and put the member in the middle of it and have all the data points around them. We called it Me360, it was Member Experience 360. Um, and it was basically every, every interaction we had with them was stored in one place. Um, every purchase they made was, was stored there as well. Um, and, and the idea was it would allow us to identify people who you know, did certain activities and did certain things, or we measured it on terms of your check-ins. And so we measured your check-in data to see that you were, how often you were coming. And if we saw a, a drop-off or a change in usage pattern, we had a, 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 you know, we would go in and try and intervene. So it wasn't, you know, one of the reasons we're going to HubSpot, it wasn't, AI enabled or dynamic, it, it required on our staff, our people. So we had a whole process around every week we had a Me360 meeting where we'd get the team together and we'd go through in each club, you know, what's happened this week? What have we noticed? What are the changes? Let's reach out to those people who are disengaged, basically. So our disengaged members, what can we do? Why is why has there been a change in usage or, or historical patterns? Um, and try to get them re-engaged in the club. So it was a very manual uh, process, um, but was really successful in, in identifying the in, individual members and what they what they used, what they liked, what they you know what they didn't like, and um, and, and try to keep them on track, try to keep them on that member journey. Very helpful. Anyone else? Yeah, we've done it with Sitecore. Um, I kind of echo what John said, and then I guess just confess that the resource burden for those kinds of initiatives has overwhelmed us because you can get those types of money ball scores, you know, in, from, from different avenues and, and different data dredging, but then ultimately how you cater to each one of those swim lanes now becomes an additional effort. And so we've consolidated that and like figured out what are the three or four personas, um, you know, that we can cater to based on the resources that we have internally. So it is a lot of fun, but ultimately, if you're going to get started with that, you, I think one of the things that you need to evaluate is, do I have, especially on the marketing side, the amount of resources to cater to that type of, you know, rich data set? Yeah, yeah we, I 100% agree with that. I do not have the resources. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of one of the things that, that I talk about a lot with the leadership team is, you know. It, it's great to have all this data about each member or a set of members, but collecting it and talking about it isn't really helpful if you aren't going to go do anything with it. Right. We have the same, yeah. when we started out, it was the same thing, the same issue. It's like, this is data. We want it to be actionable. How do we action? How do we yeah. take action on the data? Um, yeah. you know, data is nothing if it's not actionable. If you can't Correct. do anything with it, it's pointless. Don't even bother collecting it. But if you want, you know, one of the things we identified early on, as Mike said, was what do we want to key in on? And that was the check-in data and the adjustment. You know, you talk about heart rate variability and in, in, in the industry, you know, heart rate variability is an indicator of your health and wellness or fitness or your aura ring. It tells you whether or not you're sleeping well or not sleeping well. 
um, mostly not well advised. <laughs> but um, we decided that that was what we were going to go after. So it was attendance variability. Um, and so we, we pushed a lot of effort into that. And, and you know, we tracked disengaged scores. You know, we would have clubs that had 25% disengaged members, and then we had clubs that had 15%. Right? How do we get the 25s down and how do we, you know, maintain that? And it, it took on a life of its own, but yep, it did take a lot of resource. Awesome. Uh, so Lindsay uh, is wondering um, a bit about uh, body composition ass assessments and if they add value to the member experience. Uh, Mike, I think you mentioned maybe something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, we like in touch. And so I think, you know, um, done effectively, that is a data point that um, folks are interested in. Um, and so uh, I'm a big believer in it for more geek reasons. I'm just not a fan of BMI. You know, you look at the empirical evidence of how BMI has historically been used, and I think it's a horrible measure. Um, and so uh, body composition is, you know, a great way to add illustration to someone's journey within um, your four walls. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, like they can actually see progress quicker than they would necessarily on the scale, That's which keeps right. them engaged in the long run. In one of those pilot studies, just a real quick anecdote that I talked about when we were looking at, uh, you know, it was 10 years ago. So it was, you know, early on in, in the wearables and, and um, IoT uh, history, but, you know, we were using a digital scale and uh, we used weight as, you know, a way to measure progress. And this person that didn't need to lose weight started to perseverate on it, you know, because, you um, you know, if you tell somebody it, something's important, all of a sudden, you know, you can get people to believe it is and that it shouldn't have been for this particular person. So um, that might be why I'm biased against, <laughs> uh, but also believe that body composition has proven to be a, a useful measure. And um, so to answer it, you know, discreetly, yeah, I think it is a, a great tool for the toolkit. Yeah. And to your point um, about just like weight, I'd probably say that's probably the least not, I mean, for certain people know, but um, for some, it isn't the most important metric to keep an eye out for. And I think they actually showed um, when they were looking at um, COVID-19 um, and core mobilities um, and what improved outcomes, it wasn't necessarily someone losing weight. It was just them being more active that led to them having better outcomes. Yeah, the other just, thing, Rachel, just to jump on that as well is, you know, we use those um, body composition tools as well, but one of the things we found has been even more successful at that is asking people how they feel mentally. It's really simple. You know, it, it doesn't require, because if you set a target as you've got to lose weight or you want to lose 10 pounds or you want to, you know, get lift 10 pounds more dumbbells, the dumbbells are heavier or whatever it is, you may or may not achieve it. But one thing you will feel as you go through that journey is you will feel better about what you're doing because we all know that, I mean, it's like preaching to the choir. We all know that the, that movement and you know kicks in endorphins, releases endorphins, and endorphins are your feel good. Um, um. Hormones, hormones. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the word, but you know that's what makes you feel good about what you're doing, and that's and we've started doing that in terms of our uh, onboarding member onboarding. You know, what do you want to feel? How do you want to feel in a week's time, in ten days' time, in two weeks' time? How, how are we going to measure this? And people are like, well, what do you mean? I, I want to lose 10 pounds. Like, he's not going to lose 10 pounds in a week. Yeah. Not unless you just don't eat. 
you know, and uh, you know, there's there's a way to, to get there, but it's not something that's going to be a end goal. And in fact, over the next three or four months, that may now not even be your goal. You know, you may not even need to lose 10 pounds. You might just feel better about yourself and about what you're doing and your self-esteem. And we all know that the whole mental health uh, component of over the last 18 months is massive. And we're, we're part of the solution of that. And if we're not talking about it, we should be. And it doesn't matter to me. I don't believe it matters whether it's HVLP or whether it's premium or whether it's mid-market. doesn't matter. We should all be talking about that. This is about helping you feel better and about helping you as an individual you know, be a better, be a better person, a better vision of yourself. Love it. Preach, John. <laughs> Can I say in, in touch? Because I meant in body. I think yeah, I just yeah, read. Yeah. I was, I just I was read wondering what in touch, in touch was. was. Sorry. I, I was wondering what that was. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Maybe we all need some more sleep. Yeah. I think we do. Right. We need aura rings. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, awesome. All right. Well, we are about out of time. Um, does anyone want to add anything more, any final pieces of advice on just how operators can keep up with technology trends or just things they should keep in mind? I have one I covered sort it. of, I guess I have one last just sort of thought, and I think we've all basically said it, but when you're looking at technology, I think, you know, we all think about how it, how it will positively impact, impact our business, but how will it positively impact people's lives? So the people that we're trying, you know, we're all here to change lives, I think, and make people healthier and happier. And so I think just always keeping that, you know, in consideration. Yeah, great point. Anyone else? Just remember that it's a tool. You know, I think uh, just echoing again, what most people have said on the panel that, uh, you know, that ultimately these things are meant to serve. So you don't need to, you know, over-engineer your environment and that, there's so many great tools out there. Um, and then also potentially look outside of the industry, right? I mean, there's a lot of great SaaS tools now um, that are catering to, you know, everyone. And I think you're seeing some success of, uh, uh, you know, like John with Workday, that wouldn't have been, uh, you know, historically something that would have been brought into a health club, right? You're seeing people, Salesforce might be a little bit, um, you know, too much for most clubs, but there, there's a lot of, um, you know, software that's being designed for SMBs that, that our industry can look at. So if, if you're looking for a solution, you know, potentially looking for vendors outside of the industry might behoove you as well. Yeah, great advice. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, I want to thank the audience. This is our uh, last uh, Thought Leaders panel of 2021, um, but we'll be back next year in 2022. Um, I want to thank, you know, all of you guys for sharing your insight, everyone for tuning in. And I hope everyone has a great uh, holiday season. So thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.